0: All right, episode seven, Big Z Sports Pod. Heading into a Memorial Day weekend. And here in the Midwest, off the saturation, out of the doom and gloom, states are opening up, cities, counties, opening up. It's like a brand new beginning of sorts. Still maintaining that SD, social distance. Mike Z, Big Z here in the Sports Pod, episode seven. First and foremost, happy Memorial Day weekend. Make sure Monday you take the time. This weekend take the time. There won't be the big parades. There won't be the mass gatherings. That normally would be happening for this special occasion. This righteous occasion. That doesn't mean you you, you take the you take it off. You don't do what it's observed you don't observe what it's for Memorial Day weekend. Make sure you take the time. Whether it's five seconds, five minutes, an hour, whatever the case may be, make sure you take some time to reflect. Think about those here, especially this coming Monday, Memorial Day Monday, to all the veterans, all the men, all the women that gave the ultimate sacrifice. And and take the time to really think about what this weekend is for, for all those veterans and all those military personnel that gave their life, all the first responders as well, everyone contributing to our freedom. And doing so to protect our honor that have fallen before us. Again, uh, thanks to all the veterans and all those that continue to serve. Of course, this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, all those, of course, that gave the ultimate sacrifice. And uh, appreciate all that they did for us to be where we are at here today. That being said, let's a uh, lot to talk about here today. No guests to get to. It's been a chaotic couple of days uh, on the big Z side of things and family. Any minute now, I could be in the middle of this podcast and I might get the phone call, just a heads up. Uh, the next couple of weeks, we're going to continue to pump out that content. Might be a day or an hour or so later than a custom, much like this one. But uh, the Big Z fam expected to grow. Uh, boy, girl, not exactly sure yet. We will find out when they make their arrival. So excited for that. Uh, be Little Z number two. Family of five when you count the four-legged uh, canine in the uh, the household as well. Speaking of household also exciting news big z uh fam getting ready to uh endure our uh, first housing experience uh going outside of our rental into our first home as a fam so looking forward to that so a lot of the mind uh i guess uh we'll start with that uh all excited went to home depot for the first time uh, as a consumer of gearing up for home projects we haven't moved in yet but As a planner, organizer like I am, trying to get ahead of the curve before uh, the new arrival gets here. Trying to take advantage of packing and also getting ready to take care of some home projects before we make the official move in. So driving my wife nuts. She is telling me to settle on down here, but I can't help myself. I'm excited. I get something. I want to do something. I want to to get after it here. I don't want to waste any time. I want to get going on it. So we got that. uh, Home Depot. Also Menards. Ace Hardware. Yeah, you're going to be looking at uh, listening to, uh, yeah, Holmesy. We're talking about home and auto. We're talking about bundling. Yeah, what am I talking about here? I have no idea. I'm excited about cleaning gutters, painting walls, power washing the siding, putting in a fence, eventually adding a deck. I'm all excited for some home projects here. So excited about that. So it just adds up. The content is going to continue to be pumped out, but it's uh, it might be just a little bit. Uh, hectic the next couple of weeks, but definitely not going to miss out on talking with all you uh, Big Z Sports Pod listeners. So let's get after it here. Of course, on Sunday nights, the last five weeks, we've enjoyed The Last Dance, the documentary on the 1997-1998 Chicago Bulls capturing their sixth title in eight years. Michael Jordan going out, riding into the sunset as a Chicago Bull. If we could, we would all forget he ever played for the Washington Wizards after that. Three years after he retired from the Bulls the second time, came back to play for the Wizards. Irrelevant to this point. My thoughts on the documentary. I had a lot of conversations about this over the course of the last few days. I loved it. Absolutely spectacular. Uh, of course, growing up in the 90s, I don't remember a whole lot. Uh, last week with Chuck we, uh, from Snowtap, we we explained my first basketball memory of the NBA was being highly disappointed that the Bulls beat the Sonics in Game 3 of the NBA Finals in 96 by so many points that I was actually devastated by it. But I thought it was fascinating in terms of just everything, all the things off the floor that maybe you knew, maybe you didn't know, all the storylines. Steve Kerr, I thought he was fascinating during this. He went on to win, of course, a four-peat that next year, a lockout shortened year with San Antonio, so he he completed the individual four-peat. But you take a look at Michael Jordan. The documentary I thought was fantastic. Some people are going to say and criticize the documentary, oh, it was all about Michael Jordan. And uh, and Scotty and Phil and and Jerry Krause et cetera et cetera. Uh, well, first off, a documentary, a film, a film. We we have the Oscars every year, correct? There's a uh, there's a there's an award for best actor, best star, leading role type of thing. Of those of those Michael Jordan of those Chicago Bulls teams, Michael Jordan by far was the star. He was the leading role. Of course, he had the content, he had the rights to this documentary, of course. He had, the, he had the footage. He had the right to do whatever he wanted with this. He decided it's time now to show some of this inside footage that we saw. Scotty and him drinking Miller Lights after their 60th win back in those 96, 97 seasons. And he was the, he was the starting role. Of course, you tuned into this. You didn't you didn't tune into The Last Dance to, to be headlining Horace Grant every episode. That's not why you tuned into it. Yes, you tuned in for Dennis Rodman, Scotty Pippen. But the main reason you wanted to tune in to watch and to relive the Bulls the 90s and that 98 season, 97-98 season, was the leading character, the most iconic basketball figure in NBA history, was Michael Jordan. You wanted to see Mike. You wanted to not only be like Mike when he was playing, but you wanted to relive it with Mike. And I thought it was fantastic. Jerry Krause, Phil Jackson, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman to an extent, Tony Kukoc to an extent, uh, Steve Kerr, the last couple episodes, episodes Jerry Reinsdorf. Those guys, your supporting cast, your secondary actors. Got a lot of great stuff from those guys. Of course, the late Jerry Krause, uh, portrayed as a villain. You had some memes coming out afterwards about him. Um, you could argue that he is the reason, and perhaps the reason, with Reinsdorf, that the chance for a seventh in nine years did not take place. We'll talk a little bit about that here in a second as well. And then you got and then you got uh, kind of your your, your third tier. Your uh, supporting cast. There's where you put your horse, Grant. Uh, you put some of those other guys that appeared in the last episode. So Charles Barkley, Stockton Malone. Uh, and then you put in those New York Knicks guys. And then uh, Reggie Miller. And you put in some of those uh, Jed Bushlers. You saw a lot. Will Perdue's, Bill Wennington's. You saw those type of guys there on that uh, on that front. But by far, Michael Jordan, the star, the leading role, the main character of this, as expected, for The Last Dance. Again, thought it was fantastic. You knew the outcome. Bulls won the uh, the title in 97-98. I know on Wednesday night as we record this, they're going to play that game six once again. I can't wait to watch that uh, and relive that one more time. But then, Michael Jordan, I thought he came out fine. Also, he came out relatable, Michael Jordan. He was worried about going into this being aired that he was going to come out not looking so great. I thought he came out looking fine. He came out looking human. You saw him behind the curtain. You didn't get him at his Hall of Fame speech ceremony where he tried to roast everybody and came across arrogant. During the course of the documentary, they talked about negative things. Gambling. The death of his father. Legal trouble. And things like that. We saw him cry. We saw him cry during the the speaking from his house with a whiskey in hand and a, a big cigar. Bloodshot eyes. We heard... We heard uh, negative comments in terms directed towards his way and how that affected him or did not affect him. He wasn't afraid to, to tell it like it was, like he felt he had to be kind of the bad guy during the course of those Bulls teams to try to make everybody tougher. He had to be the tough guy against Steve Kerr just to try to get the most out of Steve, get the most out of guys. You saw him jaw jacking with guys like Scott Burrell. And what he did there, Rodzilla making fun of him after he took off in between games three and four of the finals there to go to the the WCW Nitro and almost forgot about that WW uh, WCW appearance there. He was he was he was great. He was relatable with his wrong emotion. We saw his flies. Uh, we also saw his tenacity, and I thought that came out. And and it what it what it brought up was not that he was a jerk in terms of tenacity, but it was a win at all cost. He didn't have to be the guy that everybody wanted to play with he wanted to win at all costs he didn't want to he didn't want to lose what what is his favorite my favorite line in that uh, documentary say uh, everybody wants to win but how bad do you want to, how bad do you not want to lose he hated losing he did not want to lose he came out every game and talk about load management there was no load management back then no load management you uh you were healthy you were hungover, over it didn't matter you were playing In the NBA, besides the, what, early on his career when he got hurt, the only time he really missed games, comes back out of baseball, 17 games remaining, played all 17, didn't need any rust coming back in, a little rusty, of course, but I thought he was fantastic. Jordan, I thought he was relatable, and I came out liking Michael Jordan even more than going into him. I mean, I was on the fence saying I thought LeBron, going into this, LeBron was perhaps the best player in the NBA history. Coming out of this, I was dead wrong. I think LeBron's a hell of a player, heck of a player, one of the top two or three in NBA history. I have at number two, Michael Jordan by far number one. Everybody thinks of his scoring, the unbelievable scoring numbers in those playoff games. During his first few years in the league where he averaged over 30 points a game and tried to win every game by himself. But he was so unselfish. Those last-second shots, John Paxton to win a final, Steve Kerr to help win a finals game. I mean, it was fantastic. He wasn't afraid of the moment. And he wasn't afraid of giving it up to the, the open teammate. Was it John Paxton against the, the Lakers and the Suns? Help him win those first two of those three titles. And when he had to against Clyde Drexler, put him in his place, remind everybody that he was the man, he did so. So I thought Michael Jordan was absolutely fantastic. Came out very relatable. And whose fault is it here? In terms of not going for that seventh title. You could make the argument that, hey, the strike-shortened season happened. It was a 50-game race. The New York Knicks were at 18 of the Eastern Conference. They went out of the NBA Finals, lost to the San Antonio. But you take, and and they said in in the documentary that Jerry Reinsdorf, after it all completed, a day or two later, he asked Phil, said, hey, you've earned the chance to run it back. This was after they capped off, beat the Jazz in six, and won the, the sixth title in eight years. That's too late. That's too late. I know Phil said, no, we we can't we can't do that. That Jerry Krause didn't want to didn't want to offend Jerry Krause. He made that decision, and to me, I don't blame Phil whatsoever. Jordan saw that audio. He said, "Well, yeah, of course we would come back. Scotty would come back. Dennis, everybody, Steve, yeah, we we would come back." You know, we 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 had to defend that if if we could, but he wasn't presented that option. And Phil, it came out that Phil declined, and I don't I don't disagree whatsoever. They were on their last leg. Jordan looked absolutely drained. Scotty could barely get up and down the floor. In that Game 6, of course, you'd have the offseason to come back. But not only was it a perfect time, storybook ending, 6-8. and eight, Jordan was there for, the, for every year, full strength. They won 6-6. Six six. But once Jerry Krause and Jerry Reinsdorf, before that 97-98 season, said it didn't matter if you won 82-0 and 0 and won the NBA title. You would not come back. We are going to re, reload, regroup. Rebuild with a new nucleus, younger players, and start over. Once you put that back in October, once you put that in motion, those wheels, those plans in motion, it's all within the human mindset, psychologically. It's over. It's done. That's the last dance. Literally, the last dance. The last go-around. It doesn't matter if they do go 82 No, In everyone's mind... In Phil's mind, you've built it up, you've played it over and over. The cards have been dealt. It is what it is. You cannot go back. Yes, physically, you can rest, recoup, get the surgery, get the ice, get the rest, train, get ready for the 98-99 season. It ended up being a lockout-shortened season. But between the ears, between the ears, what you believe will not be the same. Bill could come back. All right, it's the last dance, 2.0. We thought last year was it. This year is the finale. Finito. It's not the same. Not the same message. How many times have you been on a run? We're going to run three miles today. You get through three miles. You're running with a buddy. He said, all right, let's run one more. In your mind, you were only running three miles today. You were only going three miles. And then after you're done, your buddy says, hey, let's just do one more. Well, in your mind, that fourth mile is going to be nothing. Pretend you're, you're running a half marathon, 13 miles, and all of a sudden you get to mile 13 and realize, oh, this is a 14-mile race. It's not actually a 13-mile race. It's a 14-mile race because it's a one extra mile race to the finish line for time. You're not You're not mentally there. You've just completed. You've exerted your energy for what you thought was going to be it, much like you're lifting weights. You've got four sets today. You're doing four sets, full throttle, four sets. And all of a sudden, you get done with your fourth set. Your coach says, oh, let's do a fifth. Your buddy says, oh, let's do a fifth on the bench press today. Why not? I I feel good. I wasn't anticipating just doing four. I was coming in here. I was thinking, let's just do five. Well, you came in saying, oh, we're going to do four. And all of a sudden, you're going to try to do a fifth. That fifth set is not going to be what it was supposed to be. It was not supposed to be like the fourth. Because between the ears, you were not ready to do that. You were not mentally established. To try to conquer an extra set, an extra mile, an extra season with the same group of guys. I'm not saying they could have done it. Not saying they could have done The Eastern Conference pretty weak, especially that year. The eighth seed, the New York Knicks, not a great shooting team by far, made it all the way to the NBA Finals. So, uh, so, so that's where I am. I do not fault Phil. I do not fault Bulls. Storybook, perfect. Six for six. Six and eight years, fantastic. Uh, let's see here. Absolutely fantastic. I can't wait to watch tonight. I thought Steve Kerr. I thought the way he his story was portrayed, it just makes you love Steve Kerr even more. I mean, I just a fantastic human being. The tragedy that he's gone through, his father and his family, unbelievable. Can only imagine what he went through as a youngster, and continues to go through uh, on a daily basis. One of the shift gears here, um, Steve Kerr again, fantastic. Lo- wish we could get, wish we could have more Steve Kerr. His lines, uh, he's he's a funny man, funny man Steve Kerr. Um, LeBron James going to the last dance, transitioning away to this other topics here now. LeBron James came out said he could have been Scottie, he could have been Scottie 2.0. Uh, some uh, some league personnel said he yeah, could have been Scottie on steroids. I don't know if Scott, if uh, LeBron and Jordan would have worked. Thinking about this, Jordan. Worked within the triangle. He fought it, but worked within the triangle. LeBron is his own system. Sure, he can be a point forward. He used to be a lockdown defender. But I don't think he brought the, the, the toughness. And I don't think he still brings the toughness to a team that Scotty brought. How many of those highlights during the last dances you see where he dunks on the Knicks and just steps right over the guy during the Pistons series? His toughness. Where he came from in Arkansas with his family and the triumph he went through, not getting really a scholarship, going to Central Arkansas, having to prove himself year in and year out, not getting a contract. Scotty was a tough individual. He gutted out that NBA Finals against the Jazz. I don't see LeBron as a tough guy like that. LeBron's a facilitator, absolutely. But he also needs the ball. He needs the ball in his hands. MJ needed the ball. LeBron needed the ball. I don't see how that combination works. Now, I see the games of Jordan and Durant, Kevin Durant, I could see that working because Jordan was unselfish. And Durant doesn't need the basketball a whole lot to get it done, give him the ball during the triangle. I think Kevin Durant would be a fantastic triangle player. But I don't think Durant could put up with Jordan's tenacity at practice and the constant berating like Scott Burrell. Scott Burrell, I don't, I don't see that happening. Uh, LeBron uh, I, LeBron and Jordan, I think those are the best two players in NBA history. I'm not putting any center into this. Uh, Magic Johnson, I, I'd say third. Larry Bird, Kobe Bryant, my top five. Excuse me, NBA players, folks are going to roast me for that because I don't have Kareem, I don't have Wilt, don't have Shaq, uh, don't have Bill Russell. Uh, I don't count centers because I don't I – don't. <sighs> Centers are just – they're tall. They're tall. They're, they dunk. They got baby hook shots. They normally can't hit free throws. Yes, they rebound, but they're also much taller than everybody. They don't have to use their body like other individuals. They don't handle the basketball. They're not necessarily great passers. They can't shoot threes. So centers, i put in a separate category in my top five all-time. MJ, LeBron, Magic, Bird, Kobe. All right, that's all, that's all I got to say about that. All right, let's transition here. LeBron uh, also said he was training to perhaps at one point playing in the NFL during the 2011 NFL lockout. Packers won the Super Bowl back there in February, or February of 2011. They beat the Steelers, NBA lock, or NFL lockout, uh, no offseason. LeBron said he was training to play football and says uh, he would look good with a star on the side of his helmet in Irving, Texas. I don't know if I, LeBron's an absolute physical freak absolutely a physical freak his workout videos he's posting on instagram phenomenal of course he's got the funds and he invests in his body which i don't think enough nba players perhaps are doing and not to the extent lebron of course he's got uh undeniable and absolute uh no emptiness whatsoever in terms of filling that uh that need to fulfill his body and to keep it game ready but i don't know if i see lebron when was the last time you see lebron get into a physical altercation on the floor Remember Lance Stevenson blowing LeBron's ear? How many times did LeBron just walk away? And this goes back to Scotty, even MJ, during the documentary. How many times did you see MJ get in somebody's face and look like he was about to throw down if he wasn't held back? When was the last time you seen LeBron get that edge, get that motivation? It's just him walking away with his head going up and down, bobbing his head up and down. Now, I love LeBron. I love LeBron, Absolutely. But I don't see LeBron having that toughness to get it done. He was a heck of a football player in high school, but didn't play his senior year. That was eight years in between trying to play basketball to football. In the NFL level, he would have had to have been kind of a tight end, a bigger wide receiver. And it would have only been a certain number of plays you could have tried to have snuck him out of the field. He definitely would have the speed and the size. But the toughness aspect, it takes a little while to build up that scar tissue of those abdomens that get hit by a, a NFL-caliber linebacker. I mean, think about Ray Lewis coming over the middle, 2011. Think about a Brian Urlacher coming across, Lance Briggs coming across, Joey Porter coming across, James Harrison, and Lightning up over the middle. We're trying to get to the boundary, and Ed Reed coming down, Troy Polamalu popping you on the shoulders in the helmet. Now, as before NFL really took safety and precautions with the uh the helmet issues there. So I don't know if I see LeBron either. I, I just don't see it. I just don't see the toughness. I think it's a dream. A dream. You see him at Ohio State all the time. A dream to play football. And I think he's living in, in fairy tale land right there. Uh, also, NFL-wise here, two big things. Two big things. All right. Been waiting to get to this here. Aaron Rodgers had his uh, conference call, his press conference, whatever you want to call his first public comments last Friday uh, since the NFL draft. Of course, Green Bay Packers. They took Jordan Love, the quarterback out of Utah State. We had uh, the beat writer for the uh, Utah State back on, uh, what, episode two or three? Check that out. Big Z Sports Pod, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, wherever you uh, get your podcasts. Uh, Still working on getting onto Apple. We're getting there eventually. But uh, go back, listen to episode two, episode three of the Big Z Sports Pod. You can hear my conversation with the Utah State beat writer on Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers, no denying. He comes across uh, from time to time as arrogant, condescending, not really likable. We have heard that one before. Uh, Better than you. Uh, I guess disinterested would be another way to describe it. I thought he came across as human, authentic, realistic. I mean, like you you should respond as a... A league MVP, a candidate this past year, was up there for the bulk of the season. 13-3 and winner this past year. Four years left, to a record-setting extension, a Super Bowl championship. A guy with your chip on your shoulder. One of the best quarterbacks ever to play in the National Football League. I thought he was real. I thought he was real. Nothing he said was out of line. I mean, I thought it was fantastic. It was exactly what you thought Aaron should say, and perhaps what you would have said if you were Aaron Rodgers. Straight up, one asked about the Packers taking Jordan Love. Your thoughts? He uh, said he was a little shocked. Not necessarily thrilled. The team was 13-3 and this past season. They made it to the NFC Championship game. They had to get bull rushed by San Francisco. Not entirely his fault, of course. But uh, he was surprised. Especially, two things here, I absolutely agree. Three things here, perhaps, on this. Uh, surprise, they go and get a weapon. Aaron Rodgers is 36. Quarterbacks are playing longer than they ever had. NFL rules, more advantages for quarterbacks, more advantages for offenses to keep them healthy, functioning, and to help them score in the 2020 NFL season that's about to get underway here. He's got four years left on his contract. He's also stated, he's also stated, he wants to play till he's forty plus. He's what thirty six, four years left on this contract. It'll take him till he's forty. And the biggest thing, I didn't think, Aaron Rodgers realized when he had time to think about it: four years left on a contract, four years plus a potential fifth year option for Jordan Love with a first round draft pick selection there. Aaron Rodgers realized there's actually an expiration date with his time in Green Bay. Of course, everybody that's a star, especially the quarterback position, they say Peyton Manning, I'm sure at one point, said he uh, didn't see himself playing anywhere else. Tom Brady, he's said that multiple times. Uh, Philip Rivers, I'm sure he never thought he'd play somewhere else. Ben Roethlisberger, probably never going to play anywhere else, or at least he doesn't think so. But Aaron Rodgers, for the first time, and for the first time in the Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers era, there's an expiration date for him and the Green Bay Packers as a marriage. And the selection of Jordan Love this year expedites the ending and the two going through some sort of divorce. Whether it's a trade, whether it's a releasing, whether it's an injury retirement, it's soon. Aaron Rodgers, yes, he does have four years left on his contract. But Jordan Love is not going to sit for four years with just that fifth-year option. There's absolutely no way in 2020 there's not a, a first-round quarterback that's going to sit for an entire year. Lamar Jackson didn't sit for an entire year at the 32nd pick. Josh Rosen is, what, the only quarterback that's really hasn't gotten the fair uh, shake at a quarterback uh, opportunity in the NFL in the last five, six years? Carson Palmer sat at his number one overall pick one year at Cincinnati. Came back one of the best quarterbacks in Bengals history, of course. Took the uh, – Took the Cardinals into uh, some good years. Took the Raiders to an okay uh, couple of stints. Aaron Rodgers sat for three years. That's not going to happen. Not anytime soon. I know uh, Patrick Mahomes sat for a year. One year. Jordan Love will sit for a year. Maybe two. But barring an injury, Aaron Rodgers is probably not going to be a Packer past the 2021 season. That's just not the way business is conducted. In the NFL. And I think Aaron Rodgers. Is thinking long and hard about that. So it's going to be interesting to see how this. 2020 season with the Packers. If Aaron gets off to a slow start. If he gets injured. Does he get a chance? Of course it all depends on how Jordan Love plays. If it's an injury. If it's a two three week thing. But how does Aaron Rodgers adjust to perhaps. A couple of poor performances. Media. Locally. Nationally. Questioning him. If he still got it. What will he do if Jordan Love steps in while he's injured or misses time? What would happen then? But Aaron Rodgers does have an expiration date because the Packers aren't going to do what they did with Brett Hundley. Just let him sit as a backup quarterback, not as a first-round selection. that the Packers traded up to get. So, uh, didn't really, I mean, honestly, I thought Aaron Rodgers was, again, absolutely fantastic. He was exactly what I, I thought he'd say. He said. And it was it was real. It was authentic. What else? What He was surprised. So was I. I jumped out of my couch. I mean, how many tweets did you see that were like, OMG, did they really just do that? What's this mean for Aaron? Brett Favre's probably loving it because he gets back in the limelight again, which he's been. And now he's not since the speech engagements he was, uh, was or was not uh, invited to attend, but it was paid for. We haven't heard a lot from Brett lately, but... Uh, but Aaron Rodgers, no, I thought it was fantastic. Got exactly what he what he said was exactly what I would have said if I was Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, good stuff there. And now finally, 5 o'clock uh, on a Friday. That's usually where you get a quote unquote news dump. You got something you're trying to keep under wraps, or you just want to kind of tread water on test the measure. I think it's a big deal. A National Football League, NFL, on a Friday late, what five five thirty, six o'clock, six thirty on the East Coast, the NFL. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. They're trying to see what the the general public reaction is going to be and trying to hide it as well a little bit coming out of the weekend, entering a Monday, Tuesday. Hopefully, their big events happen on a, a Friday, Saturday, and a Sunday. NFL released that coaching and general manager and management type positions, teams that would hire minorities at either of those posts would be benefited and compensated in terms of improved draft stock. Now, these measures have been tabled, they haven't been shunned, they were not voted on, which usually means when you get an amendment like this proposed but not voted on, which means that the three-quarter votes, <clears throat> the 24, the 3200 owners, probably not going to vote to approve that. So the NFL, knowing that, likely releasing that just to get a feel of public perception as they try to combat and try to solve a big issue. What is the fact that minority candidates are still not getting hired? They have the Rooney rule. They're looking at expanding the Rooney rule to coordinating positions. More minority coaching candidates to be interviewed for coaching and GM positions and personnel directive positions. Trying to improve upon that. But the draft compensation, that was tabled uh, based on the latest report here for, for the, next, uh, the next go-around of meetings. And the NFL, of course, uh, not voting on it, which means tabled. Up for discussion, up for some tweaks before it's actually put on the agenda to vote on. Which again, big issue. Why are minority coaches, why are minority candidates for general manager positions still not getting hired? Why are they still not getting hired? It's a bigger issue. It's bigger than football. It's bigger than football. And it has a lot of similarities to -to day-to-day operations in the United States. A lot of times, a business is a microcosm of the world that we live in. The NFL is corporate. S&P, it's brands. It's top-tier brands. What is that telling you? That the NFL is thinking on a Friday, they're releasing options. They're listening for incentives for teams to look at CEOs, to look at management-type positions. They are looking at leaders of men and thinking, hey, and saying and telling the, the the owners and the public that, hey, minority candidates are not getting enough opportunities. They aren't getting looked at favorably. What's that telling you? What's that telling you? Rooney Rule is being jumped up to include coordinating positions. And they're also potentially, potentially going to put draft capital in here. The Rooney Rule, a lot of times, is a sham. The last go-around for coaching candidates hired, Ron Rivera. One minority coach hired, Ron Rivera. Just one. So if the NFL is seriously looking at putting draft capital, which I think league or teams are going to look right around that too, and if that does become the case, I think there's an easy way around it. If you're a bad team, if you're a bad team, if you're Cincinnati this year, and if you, you say Zach Taylor was fired, you have the number one overall pick, and in order to, if you in say say draft compensation, if you hired a new GM, a new coach, a lot of times, what happens when you're a bad team? You could improve up to 16 spots in the third round. You go from the 17th to the first pick of the third round. You can improve your draft your draft capital, and that much. You're not telling me a team, an owner, won't say, "Hey, we're bad." We could take advantage of the system. We could go ahead and make a couple hires, improve our stock, our roster. Then after the season, start right back over those two positions. Potentially do it all over again. You don't tell me owners and organizations wouldn't take advantage of the rule. What's the old adage? Rules are meant to be broken. The NFL is just a microcosm of the world we live in. A little food for thought here. Uh, Finally here on the uh, the Big Z Sports Pod here today, I know we're getting a lot of different uh, context here, a lot of different uh, thoughts. Uh, Major League Baseball, some pluses, some minuses, some thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, They're looking at getting started baseball on the 4th of July. The bad Nobody wants to hear billionaires argue with billionaires. Nobody wants to hear it. Labor discussions, nobody wants to talk about it. The latest players, Blake Snell in particular, really coming out saying, hey, I'm not going to play for a lesser salary. I'm putting myself at harm's harm's way. Absolutely agree. You're putting yourself at harm's way. And you know what? So are the people on the front lines for a greater cause, for a greater purpose. Major League Baseball, is entertainment has major economic impact of course throughout the US throughout those cities that uh, the baseball teams reside in those communities and those states of course yes tv obviously loves the the revenue loves the loves the content and the opportunity but you're a baseball player and this is what this is what baffles me the most baseball players are arguing about getting less than 100% of their share of their contract for one year. For one year, especially for a guy, especially for a guy that's got, what, arbitration is scheduled to make uh, double-digit, eight figures this year? Bryce Harper the same way? Guys like that? you telling me that Garrett Cole, Mike Trout couldn't couldn't help but suffer a little bit on the bank account for one year? during this pandemic to get baseball back? Quick, uh, just a quick thought here. If you're afraid, and I don't argue, if you do not want to play baseball this summer because you are afraid of picking up the coronavirus, I feel like it, a baseball player has an absolute out. Sign a waiver. I, I forfeiture this season. I will not partake in this season because I am fearful of attracting the coronavirus or being a being a player asymptomatic and I don't want to give it to a teammate, a league personnel member, an umpire. I do not want to give it to one of those individuals. I think a waiver should be granted and you do not have to play this year. You can still get your accrued season, but your pay would be nothing. I think that's absolutely fair. What about all the workers going back? What about all the truck drivers that were furloughed and now are being brought back as we open up the country? Maybe they don't feel comfortable. If they don't feel comfortable, they might be SOL. And you know what SOL means. If you do not want to play, just say it. Sign a document. Say, hey, talk to your team. I don't feel comfortable until there's a vaccine. I don't feel comfortable unless it's an alternative plan. I think that's on you. But to be arguing about pay when everybody is suffering, not just you, not just you, but everyone is suffering because of half a season, no fans in the stands, no hot dog sales, no nachos, no beer sales, no, no parking passes, none of that. I don't, I don't agree with the fighting here. I get it. We're, we're talking about other people's money. I get that. And I don't like to talk about other people's money. You do whatever. You go ahead and get all you can get. But this is different. This is different. We're talking about baseball. We're talking about baseball. We're not talking about doctors, nurses, frontline individuals, EMS, firefighters, police officers. We're not talking about troops. We're talking about baseball players. They're millionaires, for the most part, that we're talking about here. Uh, that's the negative. That's the downside. I mean, it, it's atrocious to talk about and think about all that stuff. The positive here, Major League Baseball, big plus here. I know they rolled out a plan in terms of uh, doing all sorts of different things. What I absolutely, absolutely love, Major League Baseball saying that they do not want to take away PPE, do not want to take testing away from the public. Absolutely. Even if it means not testing every day, but a couple times a week. I think that is excuse me, absolutely fantastic. That baseball. This is baseball. Saying, hey, we want to come back. We want to be an outlet for everyone at home that's been home stuck in isolation. That maybe you can't go to a game, but we want to be there on the field providing a product for you. But at the same time, we understand that we are an entertainment product. Yes, we are human beings. We are fathers. We are brothers. We are sons. uh, We are are uncles. We are brothers, etc. But we do not want to take away resources, especially if they're in need, by the communities around us. We do not want to take away from those that are doing other things, those other individuals in the same communities that we play in and live in and reside in. I think that's a huge plus. I think baseball, by doing that and saying that, I think baseball could come out a huge winner on the PR side of things and looking absolutely fantastic. Of course, they got all sorts of other things. If they do want to come back and once they get up and going, there's going to be a lot of things that they, that they need to work out. But if they're able to come back without taking resources away from the general public, that's a home run. That's a grand slam in the bottom of the ninth with two outs to win game seven of a World Series. That'll do it for us here on the Big Z Sports Pod. A lot of uh, interesting content on this one. Again, Memorial Day weekend. Make sure you take the time to observe it appropriately in whatever uh, capacity you can do so. Uh, Again, a big uh, thank you. And again, uh, observance. Memorial Day this weekend coming here for the Big Z. Uh, As always, Big Z Sports Pod. Uh, we'll be churning out the uh, the content here throughout the course of the next couple of weeks. It's going to be uh, interesting. It's going to be hectic. New addition to the fam and uh, a new resonance all coming in the next couple of weeks. We'll continue to do our best and provide the uh, content that folks have been subscribing to and listening to. Love the text messages. Been getting a lot of those, the tweets, uh, and even some emails. Uh, for those that have been finding us, uh, thanks for doing so. Make sure you uh, send it out. Share the link, uh, social media, whatever you can do. And let others know Big Z Sports Pod is the uh, the sports pod you should pick up here for 2020 as the get back to some normalcy here starting this Memorial Day weekend. Thanks for joining us. Have a great Memorial Day weekend, everybody.